I'm Woody Huffines, and this is the Owner's Voyage Podcast, a journey to business ownership. In this podcast, we'll talk about how to make that journey more fun, more rewarding, hopefully more profitable, as well as tips for staying away from potholes, dead ends, traps, and washed out bridges. We'll hope you join us. Welcome to the Owner's Voyage Podcast, episode number 42. It's an interview with Mike Barnador from Tampa, Florida, Nerds to Go. Mike and I had a good time together in this interview because we kind of got to go back and talk about our week together at Nerd School. We bought our franchises about the same time, and we went to Nerds Training at about at the same week. So we spent a week together a year and a half ago, and it was really good to get back in touch with Mike and talk about how he's doing and what he's doing. As you listen to this interview, pay attention to the importance of learning the business side of a business and the things that you can do to help the business side of the business inform your decisions. Also of interest in this podcast to me was the importance of the proceduralization, doing the same thing every time the right way and putting that down in a standard operating procedure that you can do. And Mike, given that he is an Air Force veteran as well as a veteran of large infrastructure projects on the IT side, really stressed that. And I think it's important. So listen for those two things and enjoy the interview. How are things going in Tampa? Uh, not bad. Uh, we're every every month a little bit better. Um, we made it through COVID without too much trouble. Had to adjust like everybody else, but uh, everybody we got busy for a while because everybody started pulling their old stuff out of the closet. It didn't work, so uh, <laughs> they needed us. Well, and as I've talked to a number of, of franchisees, it seems that if you were in business for a year or so before COVID, that the break point seems to be like about a year. If you were if you were in business by March, April of eighteen. Um, yeah. It started in 18, so that, or I mean, a night, March, April in 19, so that you'd been in business for about a year before COVID started. There was a significant uptick. The longer you had been in business, the, the more of an uptick there was. The supposition being that you had a larger customer base. And if you were in still in customer acquisition mode, you didn't have that built in 1,200, 1,500 families that knew exactly who to call when they had a problem. Yeah, and, and we had our doors open for probably six months. So um, I think uh, what really helped us is, you know, the investment in that uh, digital marketing and making sure we show up at the top of the list when people Google computer repair. Is that how is does the does the Google AdWords drive a lot of what you are able to accomplish? Yeah, in fact, we pay a lot of attention to that. You know, when we first started it, it's expensive, but it because I do my own searches uh, and have some other friends and folks do searches and it makes a difference otherwise we would have been you know three or four pages down and uh, nobody would ever heard of us because you can only do so much i mean the bands help um the print advertising helps to a point but uh there's nothing like people you know they pick up they pull out their phones and that's how they find stuff these days they google it so so do you now do you use uh, do you still use zero gravity yes i've been using that from the start they have not disappointed. In fact, I just had a meeting uh, yesterday, and they told me that uh, organically, uh, we are staying consistently in the top three in the Tampa area for computer repair, which made me very happy to hear, because eventually I'd like to not have to use the pay-per-click, but uh, right now, uh, it's helping. Do you now? We track our pay per click at, at the end of every month. I go back and look at the at the phone numbers and the names and the and the form fills and then try to get a, a a sense of what my return on spend is. How much revenue am I getting for the for the spend that I did in AdWords? And now are you are you tracking that kind of data? I have the data. To be honest, I haven't uh, done a detailed analysis on it. This is 
to determine how much of that is coming forward. But I, I mean, anecdotally, I know that people aren't going to find me if I'm not running pay-per-click. It's just, you're not going to show up on the list until you have enough content and enough whatever Google's magic secret sauce is to to show up at the, you know, on page one. Uh, You're not going to get that right away. I mean, I have great reviews. I have Google My Business page. I spend a lot of time making sure we post articles, we post ads. Uh, you know, we we try to stay relevant, um, but ultimately, I need the pay per click to to stay relevant, to stay on top. Well, and and you know, it's interesting the pay per click when you started. Now, you op- when did you open your store in in June? Uh, August. August fifteenth. <clears throat> so, so you were so you were. I can't uh, remember it. <laughs> So you were almost exactly two months behind us. Yeah. We opened, um, our soft opening was the 19th of, of, of June and yours was mid, mid August. So almost exactly two months. The, yeah, uh, mid, uh, yeah. Uh, cause we had, we had to get through construction and well, I'm glad those days are past. <laughs> <That was> <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about that. But one of the things, you know, we, we used zero gravity, uh, at, at the beginning and i zero gravity did something and that's long you know, water under the bridge time long time ago but they ticked me off and i started looking for a local adwords person it was interesting that the difference really the difference that that uh, zero gravity has made is working with google to allow the computer repair adword because all the people yep. that i talked to would say oh well i can't do computer repair and the boy that zero gravity has worked that out with that, with AdWords that has made a huge difference. When we first started this, you know, they were telling us that Google was blocking that. And I even went to some other people um, that that were kind of like giving seminars on how to do service SEO. And they were saying, you can't do computer repair because, you know, Google blocks it for whatever. But they figured out how to do it. And, um, boy, that has been tremendously helpful. Well, they worked with Google. The, the problem that Google AdWords was having, the problem that Google was having is, Somebody would say computer, you know, they'd buy an, a, an, a computer repair AdWords and there'd be a 1-800 number and people yep. were calling Singapore and they would only charge you $500 to steal all the money in your bank account. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, entrepreneurs. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's just, you know, it's, it's, it's offering the extra value. After you charge someone's credit card $500, it's that extra step of taking their retirement as well. But uh, Zero Gravity worked with is is really driving home with Google that they could that they that that nerds to go was brick and mortar. I mean, this wasn't this was a physical location right. that did things. And and after they made that, now the that made a huge difference in in our stuff. Now you said that you do Google My Business. You work on your Google My Business page. Do you also use the dashboard that they gave us? Uh, the where you can look and see what the calls are. Uh, Ethan shared me shared with me the dashboard so that I can look at that data on a daily basis if I would like. Right. Yeah, we use it. Um, I mean, I'm not in it every day, but I know we've used it to, to track what our busy days are based on the on the clicking, and we compare that to our actual work orders. So we know for you know for example that most days Monday and Tuesday are going to be heavy. We're going to get a lot of calls on Monday morning. Likewise, Fridays are and Saturdays are very light. It's just the, the tempo of we've seen watching the patterns. Why people are doing it that way, I have no idea. Maybe it has to do with they got other things to do on the weekend, but uh, it's helped us. Uh, it's helped me really plan my staffing and when I'm going to have my nerds on. And are y'all open on Saturday? Yes, we open. Uh, we've been open ten to four uh, on Saturday since we started. Usually, I have customer specialists that work at the counter, and usually just me in the store. 
uh, that's the day that I can catch up on all my paperwork most of the time. Um, if we have some simple stuff in the lab to do, uh, I'll do it myself, like you know, operating system reinstalls or um, things like that. Well, and and your your background is certainly heavy IT. Uh, I mean, and then yeah, I mean, thirty six he- years he- heavy IT, heavy not just IT but heavy IT planning infrastructure. Uh, talk a little, say a little bit more about that. Talk talk a little bit about your career. I you and I spent the week together in nerd school. So I know a little bit more about your background than than a lot of than a lot of the franchisees. So talk a little bit about your background, your your corporate background, and well, what, what you did. Yeah, to put it in perspective, my first computer was the Commodore sixty four. That was about that was a long time ago. It was a long time ago, uh, and uh, I've been using uh, learning and using computers. Uh, like I said, my thirty six years. I did it in the Air Force running uh, computer networks, and uh, actually I was a programmer for a short time, but didn't like that skill much. Retired from the Air Force, retired, quote-unquote, at age 38, and went to corporate and uh, spent 15 years in the aerospace defense company uh, managing uh, various teams doing all parts of corporate IT, whether it was desktop support, data center. Uh, Ultimately, I ended with uh, running a cloud computing uh, branch of the uh, company, moving stuff to the cloud and uh, that's when i decided to start my own business and here we are so as you as you've you spent a couple of years in oh, almost a year and a half now you're you're a little a little more do you find that that technical background gives you an, a number of advantages running a nerds to go or do you think that you get caught up in minutiae that that uh, you'd be better served to let a nerd play with well there is some of the latter um, I, I, I tend to, uh, like to get my hands into the technology a lot and, uh, I don't neglect my business owner responsibilities, but I know I spend a lot of extra hours doing the QuickBooks or, uh, putting the ads together that I probably could have been doing, uh, during normal hours. But yeah, I, when I sit down with a customer, cause we have a lot of business customers that, uh, they want us to run their or, and support their, their environments and, they like talking to me. They know because I can I can express not just the uh, no offense the sales side of things, but I can talk about the technology. I can make recommendations, and I don't need to have my nerd sitting next to me to uh, to do that stuff. Now, there's some when we get into deep dives like you know the network. You know, I'll send my senior nerd in because he the, he lives that stuff. But um, there's not a whole lot that I can't have a conversation about, and I think that builds a level of trust between a business owner because they're talking to someone that doesn't just sell this stuff. They've done this, and they understand uh, that IT is more than just a bunch of technology. It's a service that runs their business. They want to know that I can look at their business model and make sure that the IT that we recommend is going to make them successful and not just because everybody else does it. Well, And I, and I asked the question because – you know, I, I find it's a lot more fun for me to go into the lab and somebody's got a problem and running a, you know, running a DISM on their computer to make sure to look at the installed version of Windows and touch this and do that because there's kind of a tangible outcome and it's a have a lot more fun than QuickBooks. And I just wondered if other people have that same problem as I get to go play, get to go play in the lab. But, but I like the point that you make about having the technical chops so that you don't need a nerd with you when you talk to a business owner, whether you can go in and establish the DNS table on the new server or not, being able to understand what's involved in doing that is, is critical to having that communication with a business owner. Yeah, and believe me, I love going in the lab and playing around with stuff, but I've got to make sure that 
<laughs> running the business as well. Um, my first, the, the first tax season that came around. So this was last year. You know, I had for the first couple of months when we opened, I had pretty much, I wouldn't say ignored, but I haven't done a lot QuickBooks. All of a sudden, I had to get it ready for the accounting. That's when I learned that you actually had to put all your work orders in the QuickBooks. So I spent, oh, oh dear, I spent uh, probably two weeks solid working every night till midnight, putting everything we had done in, and I swore never again. <laughs> so now I keep it very, every day I make sure everything's in there and up to date. Uh, that was something I did not prepare for well was the, business side of running the business well and, and it's 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 funny i mean my undergrad is accounting graduate degrees are computer stuff but undergrads accounting and and so i knew to go export the um, the invoices out of service ceo into quickbooks i got yeah. that part the, the the memo that i missed is that you needed to do the same thing with the payments oh, oh my gosh i can't tell you how many hours i spent trying to figure out <laughs> matching up payments and oh man so for me it was and i got that wait a minute what we gotta we what (laughs) so yeah and then you can't you know you got payments have to be on the same date you've got multiple payments they got to be uh it was just a nightmare to to get all that straight yeah and it i I ended up with a disease over it i I call it service ceo induced tourettes (laughs) i can i hear you (laughs) So you said that you weren't as prepared for running the business or doing the business part. Talk a little bit more about that. What were the surprises for you there? One of the advantages of being in corporate IT in the military for so long is everybody else runs the business. You just get focused on being the IT guy. you know. And, of course, I knew the fundamentals of a business. you got expenses and revenue, and you got to balance the books. But I had never did it, Not certainly not to the level of a real business owner. So, you know, I have learned over the last year and a half how to do this really by making so many mistakes that ultimately the only way you're going to learn is to, <laughs> is to keep making those mistakes until you figure it out. Uh, it is a lot more to running this business than just fixing computers. It's almost like it's a whole business. <laughs> really is. <laughs> and we haven't even talked about the customer dealing with the customer complaints, which, you know, they happen all the time. Well, and I, and I told, I told somebody else, I, there's one of my, one of my analysts, um, when we were doing data, when I was managing a data warehousing function that she had a, a sign in her office that said, I can explain it to you, but I can't understand it for you. And I want that on a t-shirt some days. M- most of the customer issues I deal with are, you know, an expectation thing. They they think that something's going to be simple. You know, we find that you know, that it's not. That it's going to require more labor or more parts than than because symptoms present themselves as a possible problem. But then when you you do the analysis, you find out that there's something bigger wrong with it, and then you have to break that news to the customer. And now they're like, well, I I might as well just buy a new computer at this point. Fortunately, that's probably the best best case. They were. So we kind of get, uh, it, it's the double-edged sword. We set the expectation that, that we fix the hard stuff. And we do. We There are a lot more successes than failures on that. But unless you're going to micro-solder a motherboard, there's only so much you can do for a computer that has, uh, you know, water damage or board damage. And unfortunately, we have to break that news to them. Well, and that's, you know, computers, the, the break-fix model, and then and I think that's, and we'll talk a little bit about moving business to business or, or the business to business piece. But in, in the break fix model, that seems to be a recurring thematic element for us is that by the time I order the screen and, and get the screen in and put the screen in and, you know, this is, this is going to be a $250 trip on your laptop. Right. And, and then they bought it, They went out and bought a $200 Chromebook and it's not worth it. 
Yeah, right. Get another Chromebook. Well, and 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 even even somebody that's you know it's somebody that's looking. They've got a they've got a, you know then they got an i five and and maybe they got an SSD and they're looking at. I can replace a new. I can get a new computer for five hundred dollars. Do I really want to put two hundred and fifty in this one when I can get a new one for five hundred? And that's one of the things that that we've done a lot of is just to tell people straight up. I'm about to charge you fifty nine dollars to tell you that it is not economical to repair this computer. So maybe right, the diagnostic fee. Yeah. Yeah, so maybe what we need to do is let's let's find you a new computer and just plan on moving data because. I really don't want to charge you $59 to tell you that you shouldn't repair the computer. That's just not fair. Now, one area that we've been very successful in, and, and maybe you have too, I know it's come up on a few calls, is we've been able, when the computer's not damaged, just slow, um, we the solid-state drives have changed the industry. I mean, we have taken dogs in that just take forever to boot, put a solid-state drive in them, and and they just boot right up, and customers love it because they don't have to go buy a new one if they don't want to. They can spend... We, we do our solid-state drives, labor, and drives in what we call a bundle. Um, and we charge one flat rate. We'll take put the new drive in. We will transfer data. Obviously, we got to reinstall the OS. We'll transfer data, all that, for a flat rate. It's probably been our biggest seller. Uh, well, and that's, and that's what we it do. Does. It takes an old computer run like new. That's And that's one of the things that we did for a long time is a, is a 250 for 250. Mm, okay. We put a two hundred. We put a two hundred and fifty uh, gigabyte SSD in. Move the data for two hundred and fifty dollars, and and customers I like were, that two fifty for two fifty. Yeah. Customers were just blown away. Now it's to the point that we almost have a standing order on five hundred and one terabyte SSD drives from Amazon. <laughs> it's just it was because yeah, I find myself every week ordering a new batch. <laughs> I can't keep them in. That's, if you if you come good. if you come in, you're gonna get an SSD. You, you're going to, you know, it's, and that's, that, that has been a, that, that has been a way to really fundamentally change the way people's computers behave for them. Yeah. We used to do that uh, PC tune up, which was just defragment the drive and stuff. And I've told my team, we're not doing that anymore. Our PC tune up is now we're putting an SSD in because that's going to make the, that's going to do everything they want. And the SSD prices for really solid drives have, have gone, have just plummeted in the last year and a half they have this this technology is changing it's it's a game changer i mean boy, where were these things five years ago well, I mean that, or, or 10 years ago that would have been blessing but yeah it, it's like you look at this technology now and you go well why didn't they do that all along that was that was that easy the one that well they did five years ago they did have them and five years ago a, a, a one yeah. one terabyte ssd was eight thousand dollars so how much of your business now is you know, in, in terms of either popular and well, let's ask it both ways. What percentage headcount of your customers or business? And then what percentage revenue of your customers or business? Let's see. Uh, well, we clearly do more, uh, still do more consumer than business. So I have, as far as steady service contracts, uh, right now I have eight that have eight contracts that range anywhere from the, the 199 up to the, uh, the top one, the, not, not the, uh, managed services but the level tier three probably have eight yeah i have eight i've had a total of 10 or 11 over time i've had a couple of them drop off and a couple of them join and then we have business businesses that call us all the time to go out and you know fix a problem but they don't do service contracts so i i'm saying i don't have it in front of me but i'm saying we're probably 30 to 40 percent business and the rest consumer 
Yeah, that's but we market that way. Most, you know, we, we've probably probably 30, 40% of our revenue or business, but no more than five or 6% of the customer count. The tickets the tickets that we do for business, I mean, it's a, yeah, fix these 10 computers, not fix this one. So are you excited about the concept of, of the fast signs and, and moving more to a B2B model for Nerds to go? I am. Um, I, I, I want, I like the fact that fast signs been doing franchising and been doing business very successfully. And I want that, I want that knowledge and, and, and concept to come into nurse to go. I mean, you and I both probably got into nurse to go, not because they had thousands of stores, but because they had less than 30, because we wanted to be on that ground floor, but we don't want to stay there. We want this thing <laughs> take off. That's what I told somebody today. I got on the elevator. Can somebody mash the button? <laughs> that is, I, I mean, you, you see a concept, you see a, an idea and you know, if it's done right, that thing's going to be, it's, it's going to be awesome. And you want to be there before it gets, you want to buy the stock before it's Apple. Exactly. And, uh, so I want friends, I want fast science's business model to make that happen. So, so yeah, I mean, whatever they tell us to do, I'm looking forward to it. I want to do it. Did you, uh, did you listen to the interview that I had with Catherine Monson? Not yet. No, I haven't. It was brilliantly done. If I do say so myself, no, the, Catherine was just fascinating, and it, and it was it was so much fun to to listen to her and to and to hear her passion, and and to hear the strategic objectives that she has. Um, it it's very energizing. It's it's I it made me feel great to be involved with someone that has the energy and the passion that she does. That's what I'm waiting on. You know, bring that down. Let's you know, teach me how do we do this. What do you know now that you wish you had known before you started? QuickBooks. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's really the hardest part for me has been learning to run the operations of a business, um, which is, you know, it's the accounting, it's the advertising. Um, I guess the one thing I wish I would have known before is that you don't need to spend a huge amount of money on this mass media advertising because unless you're unless you are broadcasting constantly to a lot of people I don't think you're going to get the return on investment you know digital marketing is expensive but it's the best investment that I've uh, that I've had return on investment that I've had that, that's about it I mean that's that's the part I came into this with understanding IT I didn't understand what it was to own a business and I'm learning that it's kind of interesting to talk to to talk to owners because there's we have owners that that were, you know, sales guys or, or marketing guys or, or business guys that are coming up the curve and learning enough of the IT to speak intelligently to their business clients about what it is that they're going to do for them. And then you got us, the people who were all in IT that are now trying to figure out the, the business piece of it and what, because I mean, everything I knew about marketing before I got an into nerds to go, you could have written on the head of a pen with a magic marker. It's funny because I was in corporate. I remember I used to make jokes and fun of the business managers because they didn't really understand what I did. Yeah, making fun of the marketing people. <laughs> yeah. So now, now I'm 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 getting the rewards of that. Is that paying yeah. attention when I should have? What's been your biggest surprise? Yeah, I figured I got sued the other day, or no, I didn't get sued. I I I'm preparing for a lawsuit, but that's uh, that's probably the biggest one, and it's over stuff that you can't. Um, you know, we didn't do anything wrong. Uh, it's just, it's customers that, um, 
I guess have a have a chip on their shoulder or something sometimes, and they think they're they've been wronged. I mean, when I started this, I said, ultimately, no matter what else happens, I want to do this because I want to have fun. I want to go into a workplace where everybody's laughing, everybody's they're serious, but they're doing, you know, it's not corporate. I don't want to be corporate anymore. Sometimes this job can get um, heavy with customers, and you got to deal with that. Having a positive attitude and coming in every day and being happy, that's one of the things that we talk about in, in our lab a lot is, yeah, I get it. Some of these people are, are, are you know, could not pour pee out of a boot with instructions on the heel when it comes to computers. I get that. But you need to remember that if they could, they wouldn't need us. Yeah, it's that old thing is you're not paying – you're paying the plumber a thousand dollars for for an hour of work, but you know, a hundred dollars of that is for the work, and the rest is for the years that they spent learning how to do what they do. And that's then that's another that's another struggle that I have with the nerds. Um, you know, David Quella talked a lot about you know the nerds nerds that work for donuts, and that's true. And it's it's they will. it's getting <laughs> it's getting the idea across as you train your nerds that this is not about how much you would pay for this service. This is about how much it's worth to this person, the customer, what it's worth to the customer is how you establish a price, not what it cost, not what you would pay for it. Not what, I mean, cause a nerd, Oh my God, this computer's way broken. I get to spend three hours on YouTube watching videos about how to fix it. I mean, half of them would pay you to do that, but to, but to try to articulate that that has to have value to the customer and that that number has to be for their knowledge is sometimes a bit of a challenge. Very much so. Particularly when I have, I have one nerd who's very good solving problems, but he is a dog with a bone and he will spend hours trying to fix something and then I'm charging an hourly a one hour <laughs> rate and I tell them why, gotta, why why are you taking this graphics why are you taking this graphics card apart well smell of it it's obviously burned up okay done we don't have to go find the chip that burned up it smells bad it's burned drive on well yeah but I want to see which one it was stop it take it home do it at home <laughs> See, we have the same, uh, we've hired the same people. <laughs> <laughs> in, in that vein, did, what did you think was going to be really difficult that turned out to be easy? Uh, wow. Um, I'll get back with you on that because everything here, <laughs> we do the hard stuff. So, um, no, I, I uh, honestly can't think of, I mean, there's stuff that's routine that, that we do every day. So it's not something that i worry about then there's the stuff that scares the heck out of me because you know if we break something in the process trying to fix it we you know it's going to cost me money rather than making money so but um yeah i don't i would honestly i haven't had anything yet come up that i thought was easy in this business well, it's, well, it's just everything I, is a challenge. Then let's go the other way. Did you what 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 did you think was going to be really easy that turned out to be really hard? Ah, now here we go. So, um, <laughs> my first big challenge was 
you know, I thought, okay, I've got a team full of IT people. They're, they've been doing this forever. I've got customer specialists. Uh, we're going to get stuff in. We're going to fix it. We're going to charge for it. And, you know, in six months, we're going to be, we're going to be in the black and just roll it. And no, it doesn't work that way. First of all, smart IT people, you got to teach process. This business is all about process and procedure. Everything from filling out the FSRs the right way, making sure you get signatures, making sure the inventory is in the system that can be matched up to the invoice um, and all of that. So it took, that was the hardest part of this business was just getting everybody to follow procedures. And I've written several operating guides myself, even though, Nerds to go had them. I wanted to write them myself and make the emphasis and the bolds and the underline myself. And I give them out to the nerds and the customer specialists. And, and I say, read these because I'm going to test you on them because this is how we're going to do business. And, and that part I thought would kind of just be easy to do, but it's not, it's, it's difficult. And so I had to make sure that, um, that I had my own documentation. And my own procedures, I got signs all over my lab that they read, some of them three or four times saying the same thing. Do your quality control checks. Here are the things you check before and after every uh, repair. Here's what we build when we do an OSRI, operating system reinstall. This is what we put back on. Because if you don't do that, (laughs) it goes away. It's just like... Well, and it's short-term memory. It's like RAM. And and one one of our key learnings in that, in that, in that going in was, you know, if, if somebody brings you a computer and they tell you there's a problem, customer service rep, turn it on. And the way we learned it, and, 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 and the way we learned it was a guy brought in, um, a Hoss, a Hoss laptop. I mean, this thing had 64 gig of Ram. And I mean, it was one of those, it was probably an eight thousand dollar laptop that they did three D modeling and stuff on, and and um, the battery. He said the battery was bad, so we buy this battery, and it's one of those Alienware things that you you need to hold your tongue right and have three different spatulas to get the thing right. open. And and we got it open, and we got the bat. We finally got the battery in it. It was early on, and and we were we were struggling having the tools we needed, and and we finally got it in, and got this thing in and it's everything's good and and mash the power button and nothing nothing and we're like oh and i'm thinking we yep. just we just broke an eight thousand dollar computer and i'm gonna have to buy this guy a replacement eight thousand dollar computer and we I got know that feeling like and i mean there. just i am sick to my stomach about this is so you know, I, I told my customer service rep, when you see, you know, Mr. Umptusquat get out of the car to come in and pick it up, call me because I want to, because I want to, I, I want to be involved with this from the, from the get go. So the guy comes in and we said, I said, well, we, we, we ordered the battery and we got the battery in and uh, we got the battery in the case. And he said, oh, man, that's great. Did you ever get it to start? He said, it was dead as a hammer. I couldn't even get it to start. I was like, oh, oh, oh. thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And the heavens opened up and you could hear the angels singing. So it, I've had similar experience like that. 
so it's it's a you know it's 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 those it's those little things in the procedure it's you know if somebody brings the computer in mash the power button and see if it'll start so that we're not on the back end them saying well it worked when it came in no you need to that quality check coming in you need to do some of those detail things and and it becomes institutional memory but it takes a bump in your head of three or four times before you understand the importance of those little things oh yeah um yeah we put together a a qc checklist so we 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 with the customer there we mark uh, annotate whether it powers on does it boot to the os we expect for physical damage missing screws um all that stuff uh even to the point of running sound and and most recently does the camera work Uh, because we want to know what works before we start working on it so when we're done and we check all that stuff again, we can we can compare that. And that's been a big help in uh, both customer uh, satisfaction as well as m- my own heart rate is uh, know what the heck you got before you start opening it up, know what you're dealing with, um, and then um, and then, then start your repair. Now, if something's dead, we get a lot of computers that it's dead, and I'll tell the customer, we have no idea if this thing is going to start again. We don't know if the hard drive works. We know nothing because before we can't get power, nothing else really matters. And they understand that. But now we're both going in with that understanding. And we're a lot uh, uh, a lot more confident and a lot more calmer when we're working on stuff because we've set that expectation up front. And how many, and how many power and ports? That's a lot with phones, too. How many power ports do you do on computers because people want to sit on their bed with the computer plugged in? Yeah, we do a lot of charge ports. Um, we, we do a lot of uh, screens where people... Roll over on their laptop, I guess, and crack the uh, glass. One college student, she had it under a pillow, and I guess she put her knee on her pillow and heard a snap. Ugh. There we go. Now, so, how uh, much how much Mac business do you guys do? How much Mac Macintosh, know. Apple? Oh, Mac! I thought you said <laughs> we do a lot. Uh, I I'm surprised actually how much we do, um, both on the operating system level and in a lot of cases the hardware. Uh, for a while, it was almost like uh, an epidemic. We were getting MacBook Pros coming in with broken screens. I, I mean, we're talking every week somebody was bringing one in. I'm like, what in the world? Is it a war on MacBooks out there? Um, and unfortunately, those things, you can't just replace the screen. you got to replace the entire lid. And you're talking an $800, $900 uh, parts and labor repair. But they were paying it because it's a $2,500, $3,000 computer. Uh, and uh, they were paying it iMacs are terrible because the screens, you get them off, it's adhesive, and you've got to be careful or you'll break them. And uh, people want hard drive upgrades, so you got to pull those screens off to get to the hard drive. Uh, but we do a lot of Macs, and um, I've gotten used to it. I've got one guy who's really become self-taught Mac expert on the OS, and he's done reinstalls and upgrades and well, troubleshooting, the- data transfers, all kinds of Now, you, you do the the... the- the Mac stuff, I guess the bigger question is how much of the Mac stuff is profitable because since Macintosh won't sell you parts and you're buying aftermarket parts and you've got to, you've got to mark them up so that you can recover from the ones that you have to warranty. Cause if, if you put a board in and then in a, in a week it's dead, you're going to have to put another board in. Do you find that the Macintosh stuff is right. profitable? Yeah. I, um, you know, we haven't had, well, we've had a couple of Macs that it is ultimately, no matter what we put in it, it just wouldn't start up again. And 
we've had to eat that. But, um, for the most part, we've we've uh, we've done pretty good with Macs. I think they're profitable. We and now you said Mac. Let's say Apple because we do a lot of uh, iPhone and tablets. Um, we have a contract with a, a customer that has 120 iPads at their school, private school, and we have contract to re- and and they're. The kids break the iPads like every day, so we have a contract to replace those screens. Uh, I love that school. I love those kids. They keep me, keep me in business. Overall, I don't have a problem with Apple. During the pandemic or during the early stages, I guess we're still in it. Um, you know, Apple shut down; they wouldn't do anything, and people were coming to us like crazy because we'll, we'll we'll fix your phone or we'll we'll help you with your OS problem, and uh, we've continued that. So well, and, and, and here's something that, here's something that I, that I that we didn't think that I didn't think about that turned out to be a really good buy. Uh, do y'all have a dehydrator in your store? Uh, no, we do not. My for when the ex- dehydrator for sealing the screen. Well, yeah, and when ex- when the Experimac in uh, in McKinney closed down, and I picked up the the duty expert Mac technician from them, and and he came with a dehydrator. And boy, when you've got three or four screens that you're trying to loosen glue on, uh-huh. putting them in a dehydrator has turned out to be really cool because you could just because you can put two or th- instead of instead of working on even even a large uh, heating pad, you can throw them in the dehydrator. And if you if you do that many um, of the of the tablets, that might be something to think about because boy, that sure simplifies things for multiple tablets if you've got two or three going at the same time if, if the screen's broken most of the ones we do are broken we use the uh, i went to a cell phone training school in december because i wanted to learn how to do this stuff right we were watching the youtube videos but i said i'm going to go to some experts here and get this and uh, i learned a lot of tricks on how they take screens off and um, liberal or Proper use of isopropyl alcohol with a spudger can, can loosen up a part very quickly as long as you don't get it near the LCD because that will ruin an LCD. Things like that that has really helped me um, improve our, our service and, and fix a lot more things. And I have a – my customer specialist is actually um, – uh, she's got very small hands, and I've trained her to do phones and tablets, and she's very good at it. So um, – takes very good care of the equipment and takes her time and can fix just about anything now. We've got, uh, you, you know, in, in McKinney, you can't swing a dead cat and not hit a cell phone uh, repair place. I fix it. <laughs> you break, I fix, blah, blah, blah. You know, there's yeah, there's a million of them, and I can't compete with them on price. I'm not, I mean, I'm, you know, the people, some of our customers will come in and it's like, I've got an iPhone 10 and I want you to replace the screen. And I'm like, okay, because this, that's, that's not an inexpensive screen. And, and they'll tell me, right. well, I can go down the street to, you know, fill in the blank and the, and they'll do it for $115. Well, if I was you, I'd run and, down there. <laughs> I mean, and we've had that as well. You're right. We're never going to compete head to head with somebody that just does cell phones, particularly if they've got a line on parts that are that that we can't get. But, but, but um, what I, I find, my guys, what I find is those same people are back in three days or four days, and the screen's broken again because maybe it wasn't Gorilla Glass or 
the screen. And then when we open the phone up, there's, there's junk in there that there's screws missing. I mean, it's, yeah, there's other screws missing the, 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 there's bits of glass hanging and and it's like, you know, how do you articulate to people? Yes. I'm, I'm not inexpensive, but there's some quality with what we do that you can't buy for that amount of money. Do you have trouble articulating that? I, I, I tell them that I, I tell them I'm, I'm going to buy premium parts for everything that goes in. I, I don't do five phones an hour spending 10 minutes on each one. I do one phone an hour and I make sure we take our time and do it right. And, um, you know, I'm not a mom and pop shop that is just going to burn through repairs i'm going i'm a you know look around this is this is my business and this is our model we are professional uh, everything we do so you know think about how you choose your mechanic and think the same thing when you're choosing somebody to repair your phone or your computer what's what's your favorite part of your job what's your favorite part of what you do oh getting a really tough job that we solve and and the customers thrilled i mean um i i I love when we have those macs that we're working on or even hps phones tablets to see that logo come up because we did that and um, and we took something in that was broken or dead and and made it work and when the customer comes in and we're able to say here it is it's 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 uh it's working full working order you got all your data recovered etc uh and they're thrilled i'm like it's a good day it's a good day that's kind of days i look forward to what's what skill have you developed or discovered in yourself that you that you didn't know you had when you started the business uh can i say quickbooks again (laughs) 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 um uh i've learned how to how to tell customers bad news and um, and then still recover from that. Um, sometimes if it's bad news because, you know, we couldn't do anything for it, um, we tried, then that's one thing. But if it's something that we did wrong and I have to own own that, um, it's just, it's, it's, it's a tough day when that happens. I've also had to, I think some of the hardest parts of this job for me is, I gotta, sometimes I gotta be the boss instead of, instead of one of the team members. And I, you know, I can't go out and have lunch with everybody and, and joke around. Uh, sometimes I gotta remind them that we're running a business here and that we've gotta run it like a business. And I've had some employees that have left because they just couldn't understand that. And it's never fun to have to be that kind of guy. I, I, I wanna have fun here. And, I don't like it when I have to be the other guy. That's that's the discussion that I have when I, I mean, I, for hiring people for as long as I've done it, and starting a long time ago, one of the one of the things that I will always tell people when I hire them is, I really want us to work together to achieve and accomplish as a team because if the day comes that I have to show you who you work for, neither one of us is going to enjoy it. Yeah, absolutely, my first nerd was incredibly talented um could fix just about anything but he could never learn how to follow a procedure and it just came to a point where i said i got to make the decision here um and uh you know he's no longer with us so what are the what are the one two three things 
that you'd tell someone before they, if this, I mean, I will, the, the podcast is the owner's voyage before you start on, if you had somebody who was about to start their owner's voyage, what are the one or two, three things you'd tell them before they got started? Okay. Well, not to keep repeating myself, but number one, <laughs> learn how to use QuickBooks, <laughs> learn how to do the business side of what you're doing and don't ignore that. Um, uh, know what it means to, to, when you buy stuff, what you have to do with it in inventory and, uh, just learn that process. If you do nothing else before you open your door, spend 30 days just doing mock sales and learn how all that works. Um, spend a tremendous amount of extra time picking the, as best as you can because nobody has a crystal ball. But, but pick the right people, the right team up front because the people that work for you will make you successful or will make you fail. And um, I was fortunate that in my who was my customer specialist is now my salesperson has more of a passion sometimes than I do for making sure we do things right. And, you know, you can't, I couldn't buy that. That, that was, that was luck. And, um, I guess number three, um, have fun, do this, to have fun. If you're doing this to be rich, that's great. But if you're not having fun, then don't bother. Go, go find something else. The worst day I have here is, Far better than the best day I've ever had in corporate IT. So I'm I'm very happy what I'm doing. That is that is true, Michael. It was great to talk to you. I mean, I haven't. I don't think we've talked much since since we were in nerd school together in February of of, yeah, ni- of nineteen. A lifetime ago, wasn't it? Seems that way. So much I didn't know. <laughs> well, and and it. This the process of of it, it's it's interesting. I think it will be interesting for folks. This has been a, an an honor and a, and an absolute privilege for y'all to trust me to go talk to you guys about this and actually record it. Can't tell you how much I appreciate your effort and appreciate your time. Thank you, Woody. I appreciate the opportunity as well. And uh, keep things uh, safe and well in Texas for us. Do my best, Michael. It's great to talk to you. All right. Take care. Bye bye. Bye bye. This has been episode number 42 of the Owner's Voyage podcast with Mike Varnador, the Tampa Bay Nerds to Go business owner. And as I, as I go back and look at these podcasts, it's been interesting to me to see what the commonalities are that we run into as Nerds to Go owners and as business owners generally. And one of the ones that I think is particularly important is that proceduralization. We've talked a little bit about get your systems in process and understand what your systems are and document those systems. And I think the advice and the success that Mike has had doing those things is an important thing for you to take away from this interview. This was episode number 42, interview with Mike Varnador of Tampa Bay Nerds to Go. I hope you enjoyed it.